There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of backcountry pursuits. Hey everyone, Joe here. Tonight we have a special guest with us, Brian sitting down, and our friend Allie, who I have met through running and stuff like that. And we, we got to talking um, last year at the Meat Eater Live here in Minnesota. And after that, we started messaging a little bit about ideas for podcasts and stuff that we're doing and stuff like that. And she had mentioned she had a really good idea for a podcast. Um, and it's on, it's on a subject that not a lot of people talk about. You don't hear it, you know... You don't hear it, hear about it or read it in magazines or anything like that. But coming from my background of running, Allie's got a background in running as well. Um, you know, it's something really common and something really dangerous and taxing. So we're going to get into it a little bit tonight with Allie and talk a little bit about nutrition and kind of the backcountry bonk. And <laughs> that's the only thing, the only name I can come up with for it. That's a Perfect. good one. Yeah. That's but good. it's, it's miserable. We've all been there. And if you haven't been there, you probably, if you think you haven't been there, you probably have been there. You just don't realize it. If all of a sudden you're super crabby and throwing a hissy fit in the middle of the woods, you're probably bonking. <laughs> that is something really bad happened, but usually it's just bonking. Or you just need a Snickers. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's the fix. <laughs> so we'll get into it a little bit, but uh, first, Allie, um, we have past guests on here, and with every guest, we kind of ask them to kind of give us a little history of your outdoor experience, like what got you into the outdoors, a little bit about yourself. I know you're in the healthcare profession as well, um, and then just kind of... Yeah, a little history on that stuff and just what, what you're up to now. All right. How much time do you guys have? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, I hail from northeast Iowa, from the Decorah area. It's the Driftless region of Iowa, the beautiful, hilly place. That where, little corner. Yeah, that corner. <laughs> <laughs> the heart of the state where deer have 22 tines and all that good yeah. stuff. Um, true story, right by my parents' house. Nice. One of them made Whitetail Magazine. But, nice. Wow. Um, it's also a great uh, destination for fly fishing. If yeah. anyone in this Minnesota area wants like a quick weekend destination, it's yeah. fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I grew up, uh, I would say I grew up living more of my life outdoors than indoors. Uh, just the lifestyle of kind of growing up. We grew, I grew up on a small kind of cattle ranch and um, surrounded by all this really great timber and a river kind of bordering the farm. And we just, we always did all of our recreation outdoors, yep. you know, me and my sisters. And um, because I think we lived so much of our lives outside, we didn't like camp because yeah. you're outside all day. That's kind of your job, nine to five for my parents. So <laughs> we would like go inside for vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. And, uh, you know, my life has done sort of this huge flip where now I live and work in the city in Minneapolis. I work um, at Hennepin Healthcare downtown and it's a level one trauma center. So I'm a speech pathologist. I mostly do like brain injury, stroke, cardiac uh, event rehab, like for oh, okay. neurologic wow. things okay. um, and trauma. And so it's very much like a complete 180. I drive downtown every day in rush hour. Um, yeah. Dang know. it. That's miserable. <laughs> yeah. So now 
I'm the one like my weekends. I want to be camping. I want to be in the back country. So it's, it's interesting now. Yeah. 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 And you do a lot of, I, I see it anyways. You do a lot of like just quick weekend road trips Mm -hmm. up to the North shore, stuff Mm -hmm. like that and do some running and hiking and stuff like that. And then this year you started doing some upland hunting and stuff like that. I look like, um, so yeah, you get around and play in the outdoors (laughs) plenty and you ski during the week. I've seen too. Yeah. 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 I've been, it's been like a little bit of an evolution. Um, I started, I've been doing ultras now for over a decade. So I've done like about 20 ultra marathons. So I do a lot of running, um, in the winter, it gets a little, the doldrums set in. Yeah. So I've started skiing yeah. in the last four or five years and really love it. Yeah. And that looks like a lot of fun. It, That's something I've really always is. wanted to do, yeah. but I just... I, I'm like, it's a game changer. Yeah. How do you get into it? And Same then for here. us, like be, that's one beauty of being in the city is you do have like groom trails mm-hmm. and stuff like that. For us, we'd have to like dodge snowmobiles and cars <laughs> yeah. in order yeah. to get anywhere. Yeah. Literally, yeah. I, did I cross a trail pulling yes. in your driveway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People have, been, people have been excited to get snow. I mean, yeah. we haven't had snow like this, you know, in, you know, Minnesota winters. Haven't had we haven't had snow like this for snowmobilers to you know for a certain extended period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there have been snowmobilers driving across the driveway like yeah. all day. I believe it. Yeah. It's been yeah. nuts. I wanted to you so skiing, it's interesting you bring that up because I've wanted to get into fat tire biking so bad, especially yeah. downtown. Because I rode bike all summer and I thought, man. I need to get a fat tire bike. Yeah. It's just another thing to buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're not tough. cheap. No. no. No, they're not. And I feel like with that, especially going on extended trips, you would regret not buying something yeah. nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So Yeah, and I've I've ridden a couple of them and the ones I rode were like the upper class of fat bikes or whatever yep and they were super nice he just like, said that with his pinky up yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we uh we did that fly fishing trip me and will years ago and brought cogburns down for that yeah cool. and that was super fun like yeah. you'd you'd walk your bike down the stream and fish down the stream once you got down to the kind of the end of where the fishing was good you'd jump on your bike and buzz back super fast and then start at the top of the stream again and it was super fun that was a blast that's cool but yeah they're expensive i know (laughs) i know yeah i i was super excited when joe mentioned having Allie on the podcast and we had talked about it i was excited to hear about backcountry nutrition because i think there's probably a lot to learn and i don't i don't know i feel like i've always just eaten for the most part pretty crappy in the back country, you <laughs> yeah. know, just trying to come up with the easiest, quickest, which may not always be the best, but the easiest, quickest option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like last year for me on the elk trip, I came back, my stomach was wrecked for a good week after I came back hmm. before it like got regular and like felt normal again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And while I was out there, it was actually kind of miserable and I haven't experienced it that bad before, yeah. but it, it, you always get a little bit, but last year was really bad to a point where I'm like, oh, I got to find a different option yeah yeah so cody and i the first time we went to south dakota mule deer hunting Mm -hmm. here's here's a tip don't ever eat for dinner two packets of ramen a night for seven days straight (laughs) that's my lunch it's a bad (laughs) it's a for 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 us anyway it was a bad choice that was a really bad choice it's it's the worst because that's what i usually do for lunches out west yeah because there's just so many calories so many carbs a lot of sodium 
but afterwards I'll have an Nalgene bottle and it'll be empty in like two minutes and I'm still thirsty. <laughs> it's like you just ate a pound of salt. Yeah, <laughs> really. After yeah. our, like our extended trips, um, the last couple of years I come back and I've actually gained like three pounds yeah. just from salt. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Other guys are like, I lost 15 pounds. <laughs> just like giving them the stink guy. Awesome. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> yeah. That's how I get to. That's uh, so much salt and all that yeah. stuff. So on your extended trips, where are you guys going? Because you guys do that canoe trip every year. Yeah, yeah. So for the past three years, we've been um, a group of, so it's a team of four of us, my husband and I, and um, and then two other guys. And we go into Wabakimi Provincial Park in Ontario. And just to kind of give you like the brief high level upshot of what that is, it's so it's northern boreal, very similar topography and ecology to like the Boundary Waters, but oh, nice. um, it, it's a little bit different in that if you took the Boundary Waters and the Quetico, you put them together, this wilderness is still bigger than that. Yeah. And you've got, you know, the Boundary Waters. That's it, crazy. Is it like 1 million, 1. 1.2, something like that? 1.2 million, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. So you got that space and then about 200, like 150 to 200,000 visitors a year. And Wabakimi is, you know, like twice the size and they see like fewer than a thousand backcountry paddlers a year. Wow. Whoa. So just like let that That's sink crazy. in. That's super cool. And there's no infrastructure. There's no like fire rings. There's no latrines. It's, it's completely unspoiled. You roll up on like a mile long beach with mossy campsites and tent pads and it, there's like beaver sticks and bleached out driftwood that's been there for a year just waiting yeah. for you. So it's pretty great. It's kind yeah, of like the Mecca. Awesome. Super Wait, cool. How yeah. far north is that from like the border? Yeah. So we go up through Grand Portage okay. um, through that border crossing. And then uh, it's Thunder Bay is probably another 45 minutes to an hour north. And then um, you have to stock up on all your supplies there because yeah. you then go onto a road that's kind of like the Gunflint Trail. But there's one bait shop about a mile up the road, <laughs> and then there are no crossroads for the next uh, three and a half hours. Wow. So you're just winding through this, like, really nice paved, gunflint-esque road yep. through wilderness. You know, That's it's not nuts. a green spot on the map, but Canada is largely just yeah. wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kind of talked about that last <laughs> You know, week. Like this, yeah. this wilderness we go to is like the donut hole. And then the donut is like more millions of acres of crown lands and things with just like slightly fewer restrictions. That's why I ask because mm-hmm. I've I've moose hunted on some of the crown land mm-hmm. and um and they and they had the portages and they had the campsites and stuff and you can kind of see them as you're moving around on the lake and like you said they're just really kind of just stripped down just basically a clearing in the woods yeah. with a marker yeah. on it and. Yeah. But some of them, I mean, the area I was moving, some of them were overlooking like vistas of the lake and stuff right. like that. And I was like, God, this would be awesome to come up here in the summertime and just canoe through here. It'd be yeah. so cool. And see like one other canoeist in yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. So on a trip like that, you're mm-hmm. gone for two weeks, mm-hmm. you say? And how, yeah. many, how, how far are you going? How many kilometers um, are you covering? It depends, right? So you're working within the guardrails of like conditions, like one year. So we did a river trip one year, um, and I want to say, I mean, the outfitters give you like a loose, like, oh, it's about 200K, and then it's like actually 250K, and they just shrug at that. Like the outfitters haven't, it's just such a big wilderness. They haven't done all these trips, you know? Um, So, you know, in terms of how much like distance you can cover, if you're just powering across glassy lakes, I mean, you can cover 
a marathon a day easy Um, or like a really deep flowing river. You can really put up miles. But then we were on like this Kafka River. It's like a really great Canadian whitewater river, but it was such like low water levels that year. Everything was bony. So you're supposed to be able to run like 30 sets of rapids. And we ended up running like two. Oh, and man. the rest, it was just a suffer fest of rock gardens and lining and oh, waiting and like real creative terrible. bushwhacking. Yeah. But yeah. Like I would say 150 to 200 miles. Okay. Um, and I think the longest one we've done was pushing 300 K. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Super mm-hmm. cool. You get to see a lot of country. That's yes. something that I, that's something I've wanted to do just in the boundary waters. Cause I've been there and have a ton, but I always go basically for fishing. Yeah. yeah. And I've I've always thought, man, it'd be just super cool just to to travel yep. for like a mm-hmm. week and a half or something instead of just going to fish. Like most of the time, we're targeting specific lakes to fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but to actually explore like that, I always thought that would be super cool. I agree. So that sounds awesome. Yeah, you really should. I mean, yeah. my husband was in the same boat. Like he he's probably been to the Boundary Waters like forty five times in yeah. his life, and um. He now he was just saying he's getting ready for another trip in the spring, and he was just saying like, "Gosh, you know, I don't." Now that you get that like little, you scratch that itch a little bit about packing up and moving every day. Like it's a ton of work, but it is just a little different. You yeah, know, you yeah. can still fish, but it's just a, it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not the focus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fish at breakfast and dinner time and moved all day. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So for something like that, when you're covering that much ground, you're obviously active all day. And I've seen some of the pictures where you guys are doing rope bridges and stuff to get canoes to move. And so you have to be burning a ton of calories on something like that. Yeah. Um, What do you guys, how do you plan out your food and, and do you, do you substitute by figuring that you're going to have fish or is it more just mm-hmm. let's have enough calories for the entire day for the entire trip mm-hmm. and you know just kind of ballpark on like how do you guys plan that out per person and yeah i mean this might be you you might need to like give me a signal if i go on too long because it's <laughs> it's it sounds easy in theory but it's actually a pretty complicated process to do all the menu planning yeah um we don't plan on fish okay so um you know, really last year we had two pretty good hauls and it's Canada and it's dropping pool rivers and lots of falls. Yeah. So if you have an hour to burn, you could easily roll in like seven really good eaters. Like while I, you know, I mean like every fish I caught was over 20 inches. Like just, <laughs> it's another world, you yeah, know, that's awesome. um, but whether or not you have time for it, because yeah. you can't be really cleaning that in your campsite or, you know, just it's just strategic like um if you want to do a shore lunch or something like that so we don't plan for fish as like a staple at all and you know you gotta take what i say with a grain of salt because this is strictly canoe camping now like we're a little less concerned about weight in a canoe versus like i could talk about trekking like fast packing it's going to be a lot different or like your elk hunt yeah but um we bring in a ton of like bologna (laughs) uh, smoked meats like brats um we bring in a lot of a lot of cheese yeah. actually and it we've got a really good cooler pack and sort of a whole setup there and it really keeps now until like day eight or nine so we have a lot of fresh stuff there's a lot to That's say awesome. on yeah. like the smoked meats and stuff like that because like arrowhead last year when i was there mm-hmm. i did um i did carry smoked salmon for a while and i just kept it in a chest pocket to keep it thawed and then i did um at 
Gateway and Gateway, you can't have drops. Mel George. Mel George, I had a sandwich and then I had a sandwich like I had two sandwiches on me. And the sandwiches, I literally found the highest calorie bread I could find, which mm-hmm. was like a artisanal whatever hostess bread. It was mm-hmm. basically like Texas toast. <laughs> and then summer sausage. And I chopped just huge hunks of summer sausage and put it in there. And then I just kind of kept that in a chest pocket too. And I'd be eating Oreos and crap all day. And once I ate that sandwich, it was literally like I had a good hour and a half of solid like energy, felt yeah. good. And I think one thing I always kind of go back to, and like last year, one thing I changed up on my elk trip is I carried olive oil packets mm-hmm. just yeah. to have yeah. that fat. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. I feel like key. the fat makes such a big difference. Right. And I think it's overlooked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, people are doing it and they don't realize it because they're yeah. bringing peanut butter or whatever, you know, they yeah. have fats in there. But yeah, fats are, you know, to keep your brain running smoothly for especially for an extended period of time and yeah. then just digestion it's so important yeah yeah i mean you're with the smoked meats and stuff obviously it's heavily processed it's super salty yeah but you are gaining like a really good chunk of fat every time you mm-hmm. like cook that up with some like minute rice or whatever yeah um it's yeah yeah i think that's that's a good point too on the brain function because mm-hmm. that's oh, ideally yeah. what happens when you bonk is you lose your damn mind yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah. could you could you w- to couple with that, and we'll kind of progress forward and mm-hmm. still talk about this. But one one thing I'm wondering as we're talking about like brain brain function is is water intake. Mm-hmm. It's obviously nice on a canoe trip, yeah. Um, but how much how much water are you are you looking to take in a day? I mean, are you are you thinking about that, or wh- what does that process look like for you? Yeah, and you know, and this is this comes from ultra running too. I think. You're as an ultra runner, I know in my body, like I know the clinical signs of like electrolyte bonk or hyponatremia versus glucose. So for me, and, and everyone's probably different, but for me, if I start to get a little stupid, <laughs> like like I'm trying yeah. to calculate splits or time or, you know, something like that, and it's it's a little slow and I'm having trouble making those calculations, <laughs> yeah. I would say nine times out of ten, for me that's an electrolyte sign. Okay. And if I start to get cranky and sad <laughs> That's glucose. You okay. Know? That's, that's, um, a, that's really, that's something I did not know at all. Yeah. It's just, I, it's like my own experimentation. No, because so. that, that makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. I don't, in ultras, I could be at mile 99 of a hundred miler and I can still do the math, mm-hmm. but I'm always like, I'm always overhydrated or not, not quite overhydrated, but plenty hydrated. Mm-hmm. There was one time where I'm like, it was at Superior um, before I got to County Road 6, I was so dehydrated that like when I went to the bathroom, it was like brown liquid. Yeah, like it's not good. it was bad. <laughs> and I ran out of water and like, oh, man. it was just a bad situation. And in that situation, I'm like, I'm not even going to make the cutoff yeah. to this aid station. And I'm doing the math. I'm like, there's no way. And I showed up like an hour before the cutoff. Mm-hmm. Like my math was just gone. But any other time I've never yeah. had an issue with that. When I bonk, yeah. it's the that, sad, emotional. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I find is, uh, especially like in Alaska, just because it's more extended than my other hunts, you know, Western hunts or even my boundary water trips here is I notice that like at night when it's time to set camp, 
I'm just doing really stupid things. <laughs> like like if I'm setting up a trekking pole to like wing out the side of a tarp, I'm just like setting it up in a really stupid way that I wouldn't do normally, you know, and I'm like, what am I doing? Water break. Yeah, like and, and I and so is that kind of what you're talking about like where you're like, okay, I need to probably start thinking about you know, cuz I think all three of us know you get out there and your mind, you get focused on your tasks and what you're doing. And, and for me anyway, I, and I suppose you have to train yourself, but I forget like, when's the last time I drank some water? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the nice thing, at least where we're at in Alaska is we're pretty much, we're pretty much right next to a river mm-hmm. the whole time that I can just dip my bottle in and drink yeah. it out of. And, and I'm sure it's probably a lot like that in, in, in Canada where you're canoeing. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just, it's so funny how you just do really dumb things or like you put stuff in your tent that you need and you just put it in there and then you're like, oh, I need that. And you get it out and then you, it's just weird. Like you get into this weird mode of just doing things that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. 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 Last year when I got caught in that storm, I did a lot of stupid stuff. That's yeah. probably part of it because yeah. you're freezing. So, and when you're freezing, that's the last thing you want to do yeah. is take a drink of water. Yeah. Um, when I did Tuscobia 80 two years ago, I drank two 20-ounce Ultimate Direction bottles, and that was it, the whole race. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was fine, but it was so cold that it was just like the last thing on my mind. I yeah. did not mm-hmm. want to touch water. With the meat and cheese, so that's mm-hmm. really exciting for me to hear that because I love cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people love cheese. But um, but with like the smoked meat and cheeses, what are what else are you supplementing in there? Yeah. Yeah, so um, we, again, just for canoe camping, we, like, wear this as a badge of honor, but we take almost no, like, we bring no mountain house or anything like that. So, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah, so <laughs> so we, what we do is basically um, go grocery shopping, kind of put together some ideas before we go, and then you're reading the packets and looking for, like, boil times, ingredients, add. Like, you want to go for things that you just add water or maybe powdered milk. Okay. You yeah. know, you don't want to be, you can't bring milk. You're not going to bring a ton of oil. You know, you want to use those things sparingly. So, um you look at that and boil time too, because you don't want to be burning through all your fuel. You have to calculate all that ahead of time as well. Yeah. Um, and so we bring things like everything from, you know, like Mexican rice, jambalaya to, uh, we did like a really wicked bannock pizza on day 11 last year, <laughs> oh, um, like full on pepperoni, olives. Uh, we made us like a tomato based sauce. We, I had been experimenting with different bannocks for a long time. So yeah. it was like a, like an oregano Garlic bannock, and I mean, pepperoni pizza on like day eleven. Like we actually came out of the wilderness last year, and we weren't even really hungry for like real food because we ate so <laughs> wow. well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like breakfast too. Um, that's that's an, there's some opportunity there to maybe like add in more fats and fiber. So okay. I think a lot of people go with like oatmeal. Cause it's yeah. so easy. I would just you guys say... are hitting the nails on the head for me today. That's what I, <laughs> yeah. I do dinosaur egg oatmeal. Yeah, because it's the highest in calories. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But there's not. Yes, well, that's was, great. To so hear. what we what we do is just supplement with like ground flaxseed. Um, oh yeah. Chia. Okay. Okay. So throw a few tablespoons of chia in there. That's really good fat that can really help. It's just sustained energy, so you don't hit that 10 a.m. blood crash. Like yep. you're able to kind okay. of go a little so you longer. You need a second breakfast. Like I right, do every just day. A breakfast bar, you know, <laughs> hold you over till two p.m. Yeah, and um, I actually have started using this other, like this other, I don't know how to pronounce it, Kia or Quia. It's like Q I A. It's got hemp in it. 
Um, I think I've seen that yeah. somewhere. I don't know yeah. where I saw it's that. It's just like a is little heartier. Gr- is it a grain? Just, is, yeah. It's okay. a mixture of like buckwheat, hemp. It's oh. kind of like oatmeal, but it just has like a few more omega-3s and like nice. different fuel. Um, the other thing we do just is get we get a bunch of like bulk freeze-dried fruits like yeah. different kinds you can get little sampler packs they sure. weigh nothing right yeah. yeah and it's like every day for breakfast it's a different fruit like you guys want pineapple you guys want mango yeah. like just kind of <laughs> switch it up and there's still vitamins in there that's and, a good idea i mean yeah. just that and like even the flaxseed and stuff mm-hmm. like yeah. that it's, doesn't weigh anything doesn't take up space no. that's like, one thing we have done is gone to for boundary waters trips is is gone to trader joe's and got like these little packs of dried mandarin oranges yeah. Those are like yeah super good like dried mandarins and mango and yeah. and um and then there's there's one that is awesome it's like dried orange slices but the peel is on it oh and like you good. just eat the, yeah it's super good it's yeah. like our mm-hmm. it's like a backcountry orange juice you know you could <laughs> nice. like get like a tea and put that in there and keeps the scurvy idea. away yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's awesome cool so breakfast, so kind of covering breakfast, and then for lunch, is that when you're, is that when you're kind of breaking into that meat and cheese mm-hmm. for the most part? Yeah. So we alternate for lunch between um, like some like a sauce, summer sausage roll divided between four people, tortillas, cheese, mustard, sriracha, right? Okay. Um, and then some days when we're getting a little low on the fresh stuff, if it's it, we had some ninety five degree days last year, oh, which is oh, pretty yeah. nutty yeah. for August in yeah. Canada. So we were getting a little low on the cold stuff, and um, I I'm not above having just like jelly and like a white cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just you kind of anything goes. <laughs> yeah. They make like those buffalo chicken packets and like the tuna packets and foil. Yep. So yep. we yep. share those too, like as as we get closer to okay. the end. That's something yep. I've done too. Is yeah, those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, I just I'm so scared to eat them like when I'm in bear country. <laughs> I know, I know, See, I'm the that's same. That's why they're lunch. You yeah, know? yeah. Because you're eating just on a portage somewhere, and then you're back. You're, yeah, then you're twenty sure. miles away. That from makes sense. Instead of dinner, yeah. I thought about that in Montana, and then we've done that in Alaska too. And it's mm-hmm. just like, there's just something weird about that. <laughs> Especially when you just squirt like two packets of Hellman's mayo in there, and it's just like. Full yeah. disclosure, I won't eat the tuna, but the guys do. Okay, okay, They okay. also like spam, so sometimes oh, yeah. there's one guy from Wisconsin on our team, and man, he loves his spam. So. Yeah, I, isn't that weird? You find like certain people <laughs> just love it, and you're like, that's just the nastiest thing in history. It is. Yeah. Like, it's, it, but it is super, like, I can't eat it, just, it has to be fried. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, if eggs. it's fried, then I'm, then I'm more, oh. you know, more, it's, it's not a just little cold better. ground meat. Right, right. This is weird. Dave in Alaska loves it, so he brings it and just slices it up. And he's he's like here, and and sometimes he's like here. This is what I brought, so I have to eat. It. You know, it's like well, I have to eat. Yeah. Does he make you drink coffee yet? No, no. He, I'll do a I'll do a coffee hot chocolate mixture, which is I'm like totally. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink beer. I, I'm like not a man, I guess. I've been told that so many times. Danielle and I go through the drive-thru and she'll get like some intense, like just a black coffee and I'll get like a caramel frappe with extra whipped cream. You know, it's like a milkshake. And then I'll, I'll, I'll like hand it to her while they at the drive-thru so they don't think I'm like this like wimpy dude. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you guys do like snacks and stuff? Do you just do the typical like 
bars. Yeah, so everyone's in charge of it's choose your own adventure on all snacks. Yeah. So um, in Canada, like the real Canadian superstore, they have this amazing bulk bar. Oh, so nice. we just make like gort bags, um, any whether it's like trail mix or like candy is really nice yeah. to have out there just to get something sweet, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we also will do like everyone chooses their own bars. I, obviously, we look at calories, protein, yeah. fat content. Like this year, I tried um, uh, Primal Kitchen bars okay. like, with more like collagen yeah. fats, and they were okay, but they weren't. They didn't hold up real great in the super hot temperatures. Yeah, so that's. I, and last I year, I tried it, yeah. the. Uh, I, I remember sending them to you. I can't remember what they were called, but they were like the daily, like a third of your daily everything bars, mm-hmm. and they're super expensive, and they weren't that bad, but. They weren't as filling as I thought they would be. Yeah. So I ended up eating like 600 calorie snack bars. Yeah. Basically, is what it came down you know, to. Like pound for pound. Sometimes I think GORP is just the way to go. Yeah. Like yeah. in terms of. And that's the thing. And that's the thing. Like straight grains, I don't get full. Mm-hmm. Um, straight veggies and fruit, I cannot get full. Mm-hmm. I have to have some fat in yeah. there, whether it be meat or oil or whatever. It has to have something in it. Yeah. And and I know everybody's different in that, and everybody's body processes it completely differently um but for me i know that i need to have that fat and stuff in there high protein mm-hmm. otherwise i just i'm starving in two minutes so what happened on the elk trip the elk trip i just <laughs> <laughs> i just could not get in a positive mood the entire time and and it it was it was it was two parts one i'm sure you heard the story i may have even talked to you about it at meteor was i drove out to utah to pay mm-hmm. mark smith um, from home, I stopped in Wyoming, slept two and a half hours. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was up at five the day that I left. Um, went to work, had a full day of work, just started driving, and instantly I was in a bad mood though because it was straight road construction. Like until I got out of Minnesota, mm-hmm. it was horrible. Worst thing ever yeah. on a long road trip. Yeah, right and away. So, so by the time I got to Wyoming, I'm already frustrated, and I slept like I said two and a half hours. Then I drove straight down to Salt Lake, met Mark's parents was going to try to sneak a nap in but they thought mark was running ahead of schedule so we ended up waiting for him and then i jumped in with mark and i ran with mark for uh what was it it was like 18 and a half hours Mm -hmm. through wasatch and that's a tough one yeah i hated that race (laughs) it's beautiful but i hate it did he do gnarly did he do the gnarly no he did the grand slam oh so he did western is that the last one vermont yep yeah yeah so it's the worst one yeah and so we got through that and he had like nine miles left and i passed him off to his sister-in-law and then i got in my truck and drove up to my elk hunting spot by the time i got up there and that was in utah and i was hunting in montana by the time i got up there i had been up for 63 hours with two Mm -hmm. and a half hours of sleep in Mm -hmm. there and so i was just fried yeah so that was part of it obviously. But then after that, it just like, I couldn't get in a positive mood, no matter Mm -hmm. how much I slept or what I did. And I just, like I told you before, you know, I think I planned like 28 or 2,900 calories a day only. Mm -hmm. And when you're packing around for miles and miles, it's just not enough. Yeah. When you had weather issues. Yeah. And that was the day that's like, that was the day that I really just like, that's where shit just hit the fan mm-hmm. and emotionally like get back in the sleeping yeah. bag and just sleep it <laughs> yeah. all off yeah emotionally i'm just like nope i'm done like i was miserable and even the next day sun was shining i got out of there and i texted my wife i'm like i think i'm gonna come home tonight 
And then I realized it was like Thursday and I'm like, no, I'll stay one more night. But it was just, I couldn't get Mm -hmm. ahead at all. No matter Mm -hmm. what I did, I woke up hungry, went to bed hungry. Just, it just wasn't enough. Yeah. So, and. But when you're not sleeping. That doesn't help. Well, and you're also burning, right? So you're, you're still trying to like fill a normal day caloric intake, but not accounting for the fact that you didn't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And that was just, you're just it. burning like, around the clock. It was just a mix of just terrible decisions and, and I paid for it. But in the end I was happy. I did. I was happy. I went out and ran with Mark. I was happy. I did the elk hunt because the last night I called in a bull and then finally all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, this is great. I love elk hunting. Now it's awesome. <laughs> literally like two hours before that, I'm like, I think I'm going to try to get a good mule deer tag next year and screw this out. Yeah. I was done. Hunts uh, are the worst with that because it, you, during the hunt, you, before anything significant happens, you feel like this is just pointless. Yeah. And then once, once something significant happens, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. It's like the biggest Jekyll and Hyde moment ever. It's like, this is horrible. Now this is the best thing yeah. that's ever happened. Well, you just described ultra running. So I'm yeah. right where, I'm right with is you. Is that how it yeah. is? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. The finish line is great. Every other part sucks. <laughs> There's a lot of highs. <laughs> yeah. Like. Probably, I would say 51% highs, 49% lows, and they just get exponentially like more dramatic as the race goes on. <laughs> so, Dang. Yeah. See, I've been lucky in that. Like, my first 50 miles are always miserable, oh. but my last half is great. Oh, and okay. Zumbra, when I did Zumbro 100, I was happy the first 50 miles, and I remember telling Matt McCarty, I'm like, I'm screwed. The last <laughs> half of this race is going to suck. Uh, and Brian actually paced my last loop, and I was barely moving, and I was okay then. I but. wouldn't call that barely. That was pretty <laughs> impressive. The fact that you'd already been at it for yeah. so many miles was pretty awesome. Yeah. I haven't bit, I haven't, I haven't done an ultra yet. I, I need to do something Sandlot like that. Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I just, Joe just keeps telling me, he's like, dude, you can do it. You just need to slow down. Yep. My issue is I want to go fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's you can always ticket. race. You can always sprint the last 5K. Yeah. 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 Just warm yeah. up for 97 miles. Yeah. yeah I don't think <laughs> <laughs> sprinting the last 5K, I don't think would be happening if I had gone that far already. Uh, <laughs> That's what crazy. A, one other thing we kind of talked about in the beginning or beforehand um, that we wanted to get into is the differences in calorie intake due to weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. The water thing's another yeah. good thing to point out too. In hot weather, you're gonna need way more water and way more salt, yeah, too, because you're sweating all that audio. And mm-hmm. then if you're taking in water and you're going to the bathroom every five minutes, yeah. that's a sign that you well, need. Well, and all of this pertains so much to like with you guys talking about ultras, and then you think about hunting. There's times when you're packing something out, and it could be. It could be 40 degrees, but you feel like it's 100 yep. because you're packing heavy weight. Yep. And then next thing you know, you get back to camp. It's cold. You're trying to get something to eat. The next morning you wake up, it's super cold, and you're sitting exposed for hours glassing. Yep. You know, Or it could be a super early season hunt, and you're overheating every five minutes. Yep. You know, And the sun exposure and all the things that come along with, I'm sure, ultras, the mm-hmm. same thing. Yep. So I think that's super important for p- people to hear about that a little bit. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit how you can prepare, but maybe, and could you, what are like, if you could say, these are the two most important things for people to think about Mm -hmm. as they go on some of these extended trips or preparing for an ultra marathon, other than training, what would be maybe two things that you'd point people to? I would say, um, 
two things. First, you have to have kind of a rudimentary understanding of how your body works. So, okay. Um, That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> For real. It sounds like yeah, cliche, yeah. but no, I totally. So experience will teach you that. But um, two kind of high level tips, like if you want to take in calories in order to effectively do that, you need to first fix your fluid levels. Hmm. So people who are throwing up in races, it, 90, 90 plus percent of the time, it's a few, it's a fluid issue. So when I say fluids, I mean either too much water, not enough salt, too much salt, not enough water. So one is hype, you know, hyper or hyponatremia. One is hypernatremia. And, um, once you fix that problem, you can take in calories. Okay. You know? So there's, interesting. There's some good tables on that. I know mm-hmm. on the internet plus in books, you know, but, um, Oh, I can't think of the book right now. Relentless Forward Progress. Mm-hmm. These actually got tables on there of like, all right, so you're doing this, this, and this. This is what you need to do to fix it. Or you're doing, and it's all based on that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. oh, you're throwing up, you're throwing up stomach acid, or you're peeing too much or not enough. Like, he goes through all that and kind of breaks down, like, you need electrolytes, you need water, you need food, and kind of breaks it all down. Cause that's a really good point. Like, with kids, I'm learning that stuff every day. It's like, Oh, they have diarrhea. Get them more water. I'm like, why? I don't want to clean up more diarrhea. Your kid is going to follow the sword for your problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's kidding. my science experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But it's tested it's, on him. Yeah. But you, you kind of learn that stuff through that as well. And yeah. it's like, there's a lot of, like you say, the fluids are usually the first part of mm-hmm. like, that's, but by then you're kind of like too far. You might be. Yeah. Mm. I mean, although in a hundred people fix that all the time. Yeah. 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 But so to kind of prevent that, you know, it's obvious that, like I said, when it's hot, you know, you got to make sure you're eating salt and Mm -hmm. you're, and you're drinking plenty of water, obviously, but everybody drinks plenty of water, but they don't realize that if you're going to the bathroom every five minutes, it doesn't mean you're actually hydrated. Right. Right. So in like, if I guess people in the hunting community maybe aren't as familiar with like electrolyte supplements either. So in the ultra world, like the two main go-tos you hear about the most are like Endorolites. So hammer brand, um, you can get them at any REI or like bike store, sports store. Um, they're probably a hammer electrolyte Endorolites they're called is probably a good starting point Okay. for like more high intensity endurance athletics where you're really, your output's really high. I use S caps, um, 68 caps. They're a lot higher in sodium. So it's like 300 milligrams versus one. So I would start with the hammer salt caps, but um, taking a caplet's a lot easier than trying to lug around sport drink or pickle juice or potato (laughs) chips in the backcountry. They're just a mash mess. Dave would have a heart attack if I pulled out pickle juice (laughs) in the middle. (laughs) Stuff like that is actually really key too on my elk trips. Um, Ever since I started running ultras, I carry S caps. Yeah. I carry ginger root pills, yeah. which kind of help like calm your stomach and just like all that stuff. I carry shop blocks, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just like easy, quick burning. Like if I'm going to do a pack out that's going to be really long, I'm going to have a pocket full of shop blocks. Yeah. And I'm just going to be munching on them as I go. Because um, people don't realize, kind of like what we said before, is like your calories are your fuel. That's the gas in your tank. Right. And if you don't have enough there, which and on like a long pack out, you're going to be depleted. Mm-hmm. If you're not at least keeping some sort of calorie coming in, you're going to run into more and more problems. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, you're going to be really hurting. And you're not going to want to turn around and go get that other pack of meat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you can kind of sustain some of that energy by using stuff like this, mm-hmm. it can make a huge difference yeah. in your overall everything. Some of those things are difficult 
anyway. So why not stack the odds in your favor any yep. way that you possibly can yep. with that kind right. of stuff? So hydration and being smart about that. What about like a second thing? Um, I think anytime you're in the backcountry, like nowadays we all read blogs mm-hmm. and Instagram posts. Like you see someone do something and you're like, oh, I can go and do that. And, you, you know, maybe people in our generation or younger think um, you can go and repeat an experience just by like reading about it and trying it yourself. Sure. But yeah, anytime time. you go into the backcountry, you are always working within guardrails of the elements. Yeah. And yep. they can change hour to hour. And that part's not in the blog post, right? Right. Because you're only reading about their weather. <laughs> right, right. So um, like a quick example, my my good friend Faye Norby, she just won the Arrowhead, by yep. the way, if you guys saw awesome. that in the paper, yeah. in wow. that negative 60 weather. The picture of the, the couple crossing the finish line yeah, that everybody's yeah. seeing, that's Jeff Lewerke and Faye. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool. She's pretty badass. So she and I did um, the Kekakabic Trail last spring, and um, the first day it was like 50 degrees and raining. And just kind of that classic hypothermia weather, like up on the knolls, it was like a wind chill probably in the low 40s and just really terrible weather. And we were pushing brush out of our faces the entire time, like with our hands kind of at eye level, elbows at a 90 degree angle, holding our poles, pushing brush. And I'm not exaggerating for 10 hours straight, just trying to find the trail. And um, it. it's like a pretty, it's across the boundary waters. So yeah, um, it's a pretty primitive trail. Too, oh yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it was the wildest on foot experience I've ever had. And I've had some <laughs> wild experiences, but the moral of the story is that day one, we were cold, you know, I was wearing Merino base layers and stuff like good first light stuff. And it was great, but you're soaking wet because your hands are in the air. And so you're, you're all the water's running down your cuffs and it just doesn't matter how good a rain gear you have. Yeah. So we were wet and she's an arrowhead athlete, you know, she's a winner ultra runner and really smart too. And we both just kept bouncing off each other. Like morale was high the whole time, but we were just like, Hey, are you eating? Hey, are you eating? Hey, let's, let's filter some water here because we had to keep those engines running higher than normal just to stay warm, you know? And day two, totally different conditions, sunny, 55 degrees, like pretty primo actually, except the ticks were out that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, our, we didn't even really worry about fuel. We were more concerned about water that day. So it, it definitely matters. Like if you feel like you're near shivering, you need to get some calories in and kind of you're feeling from inside. You got to warm up that engine. Yeah. You get that core temperature yeah. up. Yeah. That's, and that's something really cool that I learned from John Storkamp when mm-hmm. he did his, uh, adventures of a human dog sled or whatever yeah. human powered dog sled or whatever because he's he's done arrowhead <laughs> now this last year was his 11th year doing yeah. arrowhead he's won it like five or six times or something ridiculous and he's done like uh the iditarod race and stuff like that wow. so it's some really cool stuff and when he did that presentation he talked about it he said as long as your furnace has fuel you can stay warm mm-hmm. to a point obviously but he was he was talking about it and he said he wears a a lightweight like synthetic base layer and then just like a shell. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. at Arrowhead when it's negative 30. Mm-hmm. But he keeps his body moving so fast that he's heating up he's and then he just yeah. keeps eating constantly. And he has like a bottle like rigged up in his jacket so he can take a sip every once in a while and then just food right here that he just kind of reaches down and starts munching on as he's yeah. going. And he talked about that a lot. He said, as long as you're fueling your furnace, mm-hmm. you can stay warm. And that's something I thought about, you know, last year in Montana. And that's something I think about every year when I'm deer hunting and I'm just sitting in a tree stand freezing and I'm like, I should just eat something and I'll mm-hmm. be better. It doesn't yeah. exactly work that way because yeah. you got to be moving. But 
the idea is there. And it, it, it's, it was a really good point when he said that. I'm like, God, that's, that's actually really smart. Yeah. So. Well, I, and like, what about too, when you're in Alaska, like, you know, at altitude, cause that throws a wrench in things as well. Like your heart rate's going to be a little higher. You're going to be burning through things faster. Yeah. Do- we, it's actually kind of interesting. I, I thought about that before I went and then I realized that the Brooks Range is actually is pretty mellow when it comes to altitude. I'd say the highest that I've ever been there is probably 6,800 feet. Mm-hmm. So you <clears throat> only when you get to that point, like you're ascending to put a stock on a ram, uh, you can you feel it. But for the most part, you're at 2,000 feet as you're kind of at the at the valley floor. So. We didn't. I didn't experience that as much as I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Not like if times I've been out to Colorado and been at you know sure. thirteen thousand feet, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. You can definitely yeah. tell a difference there. It was kind of more like I just noticed uh, my breathing, like, oh, it's a little bit thinner here, but not super bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's something that I, I I didn't really experience there, but I know that can be super intense. Like for people, you know, going to those places. Like one time, my brother and I, we went out to Colorado, and the, there's this place. I forget where it is, but it's it's, and I forget what it's called. It's like a it's a mile from the from the bottom to the top, and it's like old railroad mm. ties stacked, almost like. Oh, and part of it's that like miserable. <laughs> part of it's like kind of mellow, and then it just kind of continues to 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 gets more steep as you go. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I were like, oh, we're in pretty good shape. Let's do this. And there are people there like- Oh, that's in Colorado Springs. Yeah. 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 I think like it's called Anton like- the Kropitschka trains. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Is, I, I think it's called, is it called like the COG or- Yeah, it's, it's something, something weird like that. like that. My buddy just did it a couple of years Somebody ago. Somebody write in and correct us because yeah. I don't think that's right. But like the, I know the Olympic team- wrestling team mm-hmm. goes there and and trains there. I know a lot of people go and train there, but yeah. we def we got to the top and we we're like this was a mistake because we already started at like 5000 feet. <laughs> and and we're like it was a mistake. We got up there and it was like way colder and we started shivering and like yeah. our breathing wouldn't slow down and we're like mm-hmm. we better start going back down, yeah. you know? And so how does how do have you done ultras where you're in environments like that where you have to kind of think about that and deal with it? I haven't done ultras like that. I've done a lot of like just uh like climbing Pikes Peak or okay, like yeah. going up the backside of that or um like Grand Canyon stuff, yeah. just training trips. But you probably what's Wasatch? Wasatch isn't terrible. Leadville was though. Yeah, yeah. That's um, the highest in Leadville, the Leadville when you're talking about that, Brian, uh the day before Leadville when we were out there pacing for Mark, um me and one other guy, Matt, uh, went to go do, uh, I can't think, Albert's Peak or something like that. It's a 14er. Um, we get her down on the bottom in T-shirts and shorts. Actually, I was wearing like just like a singlet and shorts, getting ready to go. And I'm like sweating and stuff. I'm like, all right, let's get moving. And we get moving and you're warm, you're warm, you're warm. And then you get above tree line. And you're at, at that point, you're at like 12.5, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh. It's kind of chilly up here. Yeah. And then you keep going and keep going. And I think I ended up stopping at like 13.3 or 13.4 and it was hailing. Yeah. And, That's crazy. And it was just freezing and I'm like, God, I'm getting down. So I, I left. I got back down to the parking lot and the parking lot there is like 10,000 feet. 
You know, it's yeah. not, you know, they're yeah. way up there. But even in the parking lot, it was like 20 degrees warmer, way more comfortable. The wind's not hitting you because you're back in the trees. Um, sun's out, you know, everything. And it's like, that's ridiculous. In one hour, I went from sweating to freezing and getting hailed on. Yeah. And it it is something that you have to think about um, as far as like being prepared for that kind of stuff. That's why you always hear about like the high country mule deer hunts on you know, you have to be ready for weather. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and you can never bank on going out for like a week in Colorado and mule deer hunting and not getting stormed on mm-hmm. at least once. Yeah. Well, I feel like, Allie, I feel like you hit the nail on the head when you talked about like our generation, we read blogs mm-hmm. and then we think, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to go do that. And yeah. sometimes we don't think maybe we should attempt something a little bit lower scale and kind of ease into some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I know I know that I think is really pertinent to to our generation of people that just kind of see something and especially if you don't have much outdoor experience in the first place to read a blog and then say I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go pack 7 miles back and kill an elk. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it it things like that uh I think you kind of hit the nail on the head and it's something that I think a lot of a lot of us need to really think about when we see these, because we all want to do these amazing things yeah. and we should, mm-hmm. we should strive to do them, but we should also kind of put in the legwork and prepare yep. to to do those things. And I feel like the best thing is to find somebody yeah. who does the things that you want to do and kind of get next to them yep. and say, show me how to do, show me yeah. this, you know, a mentorship kind of. So I know this really old school paddler in the cities here, he's pretty well known, Bob O'Hara. And he's he's well into his seventies now, and he's he's gone far north, like crazy paddle expeditions, like been marooned, been iced in, had to like hunt to live. Like you know, <laughs> this guy has stories. He's he's tripped to sit down. We with. need to get him on. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's that. amazing. And but you know, he made the comment that every year they have this far north symposium, and we've been going for the past three years. We presented one year, and it's a room full of like I'm not trying to be derogatory, but it's literally a room full of white hair. And then like four of us under 40, you know, (laughs) and they laughed because they're like, you know, your generation, you're all just on Instagram and like connecting that way. And that's, that has its place. I've met some friends Mm -hmm. in Canada and I'll ask them for beta, like, Hey, we're going to go do this trip. I see you guys were in this area and we kind of know like game recognizes game. So they, they're doing similar stuff and they can give me really good information about water levels or stuff like that. Um, But Bob was saying like, you can't replace like in the old days, we had a club, like we had like a paddler's yeah. association and right. like people in your generation don't want to pay a $20 fee to be a member of this, <laughs> right? you know, Unfortunately. but yeah. if you show up and you're listening to all these trip reports, these are actual like living legends who've, who've traveled for decades into oh, right. like the far North Arctic, like, right. you know, um, there's so much information in that room. And if you get next to someone and you ask like, I would say 90% of them want to talk to you sure. unless you're yeah. like walking in with a stand up paddleboard and like, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not to hate on that, but like you got to have a little bit of experience, you know, to yeah, understand right. the conversation. But, um, I think we need more mentors in general. Big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. Like this year, I was super excited to be on my first moose hunt, you know, like an Alaskan moose hunt. And now my thought is, so people ask like, how awesome was that? And man, I want to do that so bad. And I tell them, you know, you want to do a a wilderness moose hunt until you do it. And then you don't want to do it anymore. Like you don't ever want to do it again. You know, when it's, 
it's something that you kind of have to experience. And now, of course, you know, of course you kind of take a step back and you're like, okay, I want to engage with that again and experience it. But I had this thought in my mind about what it would be like, Mm -hmm. and it was completely different and way more difficult than I could have imagined it to be. And I feel like that's that's kind of what you're talking about with some of these guys. Like you hear, he had to hunt to live, and mm-hmm. somebody'd be like, "Oh, that's legit. I want to do that." No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, no. No, you really don't want to have yeah. to do that. You know. And By the way, just a quick aside: it was legal at that point in time in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but continue. Well, I would feel. I would feel like if you really were in trouble, They'd I don't think okay they would it. frown yeah. upon it so mm-hmm. much. If you were seriously in, like, you're gonna die. You know, they'd be like, oh, well, should have died. Maybe maybe California (laughs) would be against it, but for the most part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's crazy, though. Yeah, totally. I think that's a huge thing, you know, for any of us. I mean, really, the three of us, we could probably all sit here and talk about mentors that we had had and people that have kind of paved the trail for us in certain areas, whether hunting or ultras or whatever, canoe trips, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be, to learn from people. And, you know, in this day and age of information, which is good, it has its place, but I feel like in some ways, if we're not careful, our generation will be kind of the leaders of abandoning mentorship Mm -hmm. and looking at the people that have done this before we have. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a, that's a good point too, because it's like you said, there's back in the day, there's clubs Mm -hmm. for this kind of stuff. And, and basically, yeah, you paid 20 bucks, but that was, you know, your food and drinks when you got together or whatever it may be. And nowadays, if you try to do that with a group of people, it's pretty tough. Well, Um, you know, and and people kind of chuckle at some of the old models. Like you go to like, you join Pheasants Forever, you go to the old, the same old banquet, you know, people kind of chuckle at that, but that's the point. Yeah. Right. You know, that's why it's the same old banquet. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, and that's with BHA, you're starting to see it Mm -hmm. pull more people towards that with the pint nights and stuff like that. Um, But before that, I don't remember ever really going to anything where I was like, I know exactly what I'm getting into. This is going to be great. And, right. Oh, yeah, I'll pay the fee. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. But at, at those events, it's kind of like we just had one, and I went there. I knew who I was going to see. And I was, it's people that I would call friends and people I would right. gladly hang out with, but I don't see them often because we right. have our own lives. Mm-hmm. But when we get together, everybody learns something. Yeah. There's a know? lot of good information exchanged. Yeah. You know, and you learn things about people that you didn't know. and. Yep. You know, it, that's part of the reason I love BHA just as an organization, not only what they stand for, but what it creates in community for yeah. people. You know, yeah. I mean, just from people that are just all age levels of people yeah. and you can find out different super cool things about people. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of cool to go like find out, well, what did, I wonder what this person was up to this year or what did they, how, what was their deer season like? Yeah. Or how was, you know, it's just, it's, it's cool. And, you know, what's that? A $20 yeah, a year. Yeah. I, I mean, this, <laughs> right? Exactly. This yeah. last pay the fee, yes. right? Pay the fee, folks. Yeah. <laughs> this, this last pint night, I was talking with a friend, and 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 me and just so everybody knows, me and Rick Burl are going to Idaho this year, elk hunting. Um, but so I was talking to somebody at the pint night about it, and I was like, "Yeah, we're going to Idaho. This is kind of the area we're looking." He's like, "I've hunted that area. I'll show you the trailhead I hunted, and there's elk there. They're everywhere." Awesome. Yeah. Like, where else are you going to get that? Like, I'm not going to show up to, 
you know, I don't want to pick on any other organizations, but say it's like Ducks Unlimited. I'm not going to show up to a banquet and be like, yeah, I'm thinking about going to this area and somebody's going to jump up and be like, I've hunted that. You could put your boat in right here, drive right to here. There's a perfect spot. You'll love it. You're going to slaughter ducks. <laughs> you're never going to hear you're that. You're not going to search hashtag like unit 152. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like no. you're not just going to organically <laughs> yeah. look for that. No, <laughs> no that's but awesome. that's, that's kind of the attitude that some of the old timers are starting to get about us. Yeah. Though, is I don't that, blame them. No, I don't either. Because yeah. we, do, we do a lot of research that way. But I've learned and I always tell people when I did that seminar last fall and everything I've ever written about it or anything – if you want to go hunt an area you're unfamiliar with, get to know the people in the area. Yeah. Talk to the people. Go to the bars in the summertime. Go mm-hmm. fishing. Go do something and talk to the people because your best information is going to be from the people that live out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Well, I we're definitely going to have to have you on again because I feel like we could just kind of keep going yeah. with information and stories. And um, it's been really cool having you on. Yeah. Is Thanks. there anything you wanted to close with? Anything that you don't feel like we got to or... Um, no, I mean, I, this has been fun. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 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 So, um, guys, you can, um, is it okay for me to point them to your Instagram so yeah, they can totally. kind of see what's mm-hmm. going on? So Allie runs wild mm-hmm. on Instagram and we'll put that in the show notes so that you have it. So you can kind of see what she's got going on her and her husband. And yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure. And we're we're definitely gonna have to. Yeah, to do I think another I episode. think we try to get you back on after your trips this summer. Yeah, yeah that'd be, be great. Um, that'd be cool. Maybe get you and your husband both on for yeah. it, and that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. really fun. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, we have gotten some feedback from you guys, and it's been great. Keep sending us feedback. We love to see it. We really, really appreciate the support. And we'll see you on the next one. Oh, and oh. congratulations. You're the first female guest. Oh, Which thanks. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy yeah. to do the honors. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Original music for this podcast was created by Nakota Rankin. This podcast is edited, mixed, and mastered by Nakota Rankin. Nakota Rankin.